Hey you guys, welcome back to another episode of Off Kilter No Filter. I am your host, Byron Alexander, joined by my awesome ass co-host, Mrs. Tammy Chase. Hello, and yes, you did do it last week. I remember you saying that too. <laughs> That's a conversation we were having previously to this. Like, yeah. Like, so who who introduced last time? Like, right? I don't know. Was it you? Was it me? Yeah, like, I don't cool. know. Yeah. What? It doesn't matter, the, I guess. As my sister says, what is time anymore? Like this all bleeds together. Who you know? Uh-huh. Who can keep this thing straight? Oh my god! Right? It does. Like it's already it freaking yeah. October, the middle slash end of October. Mm-hmm. Cut it out. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liam can't come visit me. Why? Because he would only have three days here and it would cost me $900. Oh, gosh, absolutely not. <laughs> I told him I would do it, but he's like, Mom, that's illogical. Come on. Yeah. He's like, I'll go for Christmas and it'll be two two whole weeks. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do two whole weeks for $900, but right. not, Actually, not three days. He gets about three and a half or four because school doesn't start back until after Martin Luther King Day. So, right, but I only get two weeks. Oh, yeah, that's right. Nah, mm-hmm. take off until after Martin Luther King. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could, but I cannot. But um, I understand. Yeah, because y- y'all don't get out for Thanksgiving until right before Thanksgiving. I'm, which always annoyed me. Yeah, well, see, and most schools now, most K-12 through schools get out the whole entire week. Which is also annoying, because that was not I the know, thing. I know, because we never did. Exactly. I'm- Man, fuck I'm them saying, kids. Man, I agree. I'm just playing. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Why them kids get two extra days? Those fucking morons. I mean, gosh, it used to annoy me when I was in school and we had a half day on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then we'd have the rest of the week off. And then now, mm-hmm. um, like, like you said, it's like, yeah, they get the whole week. It's like, oh, now you get the whole week. Really? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very Candies. annoying. That's the only the only thing where I like feel kind of slighted as far as like what the next generation gets. And I honestly yeah. it's all superficial. I'm not really that mad, but it is. You know. <laughs> but you know, you got to say something. Yeah, I'm just like, you can't just let that go. You know. You can't let that shit go. You got to say at least one thing. A little about bit. It. Like, you know, where where was all of that energy when I was in school? That's all I'm asking. Right. 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 But anyway. Well, okay, so today tell tell us Remind us what we're talking about. I don't think we gave them a hint last time as to what no. we're going to talk about today. No, we did not. I kind of like doing that because sometimes when we give them a hint and then we can't do that, we're like, "Oh, we promised them this." Nah, but if hard. we don't say it, then we're like, "Hey, guess what? We're going to do this. Well, it's we're our, doing this today. It's our show, so you know." Yeah, you're gonna That's like. Right. You're gonna listen. You're gonna like it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Or just yeah, don't listen. Yeah. You know what? Oh, We've been it. dealing without you forever. So I know, right? Up. Yeah. Gosh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Itty hoos. No. All right. So this week we're gonna circle back uh, to our music conversation, but we're going to talk about not an artist this time, or at least not a not a. Uh, a uh, he is an artist, but he's not um, mm-hmm. a pop star type of artist. We are actually now going to talk about Mr. Quincy Jones. Absolutely, yes. And awesome. how influential he's been to what we consider pop music and the sound of pop music. Um, and not just pop, but yeah. like jazz, soul, funk, mm-hmm. rock. I mean, the man. He, start, he started in jazz, didn't he? Yeah. And he's I think done. He started in jazz. Virtually. Every genre, mm-hmm. or at least every every he like main like genre, everybody. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is somebody, 
as we always talk about on this podcast, the main thing or the, the core of everything is power. And this is somebody who commands a lot of power in the music industry or just in the entertainment mm-hmm. industry. And thankfully has used it for good. At least public mm-hmm. facing. Mm-hmm. I don't know the man personally, but from the documentary that I've watched and listened to and the Vulture interview, that Vulture interview that uh, we'll get into, yeah. um, mm-hmm. as far as the public facing Quincy Jones, as much as we can gather from him, um, you know, in the public, he's used his many connections and his talents and and goodwill that he's amassed over the decades for the betterment of humanity. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. He's he's a he's a great philan- philanthropist. Mm-hmm. Huge word, philanthropist. I know, yes. Right? I always want to say philan. Every time I say philanthropist, philanthropist. I say, yeah, I say that. Or like for some reason it slips into the Philippines. I'm like, why? That. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make sense. But anyway. there's nothing else that's Philippine. <laughs> well, okay, so you know, looking at the Wikipedia page of him, which I you know mm-hmm. still. Uh, his name is Quincy Delight Jones, which I think is cool, yeah. right? I like that. But he's a, he's from Southie, uh, South Side Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. But his birthday's only five days before mine. Ah, <laughs> he's a Pisces. I know. I saw that. I was like, ah, oh, look at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a Pisces, just like me. Ha ha ha. Pisces are cool. I think my sister's a cutoff. I think she's an Aries. Because her birthday's the twenty third. Of March? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, she's... Yeah. Because my, my birthday's the last day of Pisces. Ah. March 20th starts Aries. Gotcha. Not that it matters. But yeah, not right. Like, <laughs> so th- those things are always fun. You're like, what's your sign? I mean, I don't yeah. care. Anyway. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's my sign. My sign is... Fuck off. You starting with that, really? Was this 1975? Come on. All right. Like, is that supposed to mean something? I don't know. No. <laughs> what? hippie, go away. <laughs> But yes, <laughs> I thought that was what Quincy Delight Jones. Like, really, Delight? Mm-hmm. You know what? Yeah. As a middle name, I like it. And you know what? If your name is going to be Quincy Delight Jones Jr., by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like, yeah, then you're, you're, you're going places. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not necessarily like some of the places you thought you'd go, but with a name like mm-hmm. that, it's like, no, your, your name's going to be in lights. In the good way. In the well, good way. Yeah. Before, before we get into. Anything I, I do want to, in case people don't know who he is, which it would be weird, especially anybody that's like you know, your age and older for sure. Um, there is so much that he has done, uh, and he has known everybody. So I I do want to I do want to say uh, something about um, so people would know. Um, that about all the the Grammys and the nominations for those, but also he has produced television shows as well as films too. So I mean he's if if anybody ever watched Fresh Prince of Bel Air, that's something that he produced also. Yep. Um, but anybody ever listened to Michael Jackson, especially a Thriller? Mm-hmm. That's a Quincy Jones product production. Yep. I'm not talking well tonight. I don't know why. It's Saturday. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah. Um, and th- there's probably anything you ever heard that came out of the 80s probably was a Quincy Jones production. Mm-hmm. Anything good. I should say that. Anything good, yeah. Uh, anything good <laughs> was probably a Quincy Jones production. Same way with, like, maybe even some of the 90s. Um, yes. I mean, I, you know, but 
so I think he's you know he's he's into more things than people realize I mean it was it was like what what was it was it it wasn't he wasn't the with we are the world he was with yes. what no he did we are the world was it we were the world yeah. okay it was it was <laughs> mm-hmm. which made means to me that he and prince probably didn't get along <laughs> because of prince's feelings about we are the world <laughs> and how he just stood there <laughs> there's a video of um like Quincy on stage directing everybody singing We Are the mm-hmm. World and Prince is there. Mm-hmm. And I think he gives mm-hmm. Prince the mic or, or no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants to give Prince the mic and Prince has like a lollipop. Mm-hmm. It is about yeah, whatever. He just hands him the lollipop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure he and Prince did not get along. Oh, man. Because Prince produced all his own stuff, you know, mm-hmm. after. <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. I wonder what a Quincy but, Jones and Prince song would sound like. That's an interesting thought. Well, before experience. I say that, maybe I should Google that just to see. Um, let's see. Did Quincy Jones rip with Prince? Did he rip off Prince? Wait, what? No, I'm saying, did he ever work with him? Oh, work with. Okay. I was like, wait, when mm-hmm. did this happen? Yeah, no, they never they never worked together. I guess. Okay. Um. You know, I guess Quincy did. Okay, besides "We Are the World," he he wanted, and you've heard this before too. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. He wanted uh, Michael Jackson and Prince to do a duet, and oh, Prince said no thank Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Prince said no thank you. Mm-hmm. Which I've always thought about. Like, mm-hmm. what would that sound like between the two of them? Um, yeah. Because that's why it starts off with your butt is mine, because it's like supposed to be trash talk <laughs> between the two. And that and Prince said he wasn't going to do no. it because the line starts off. that it's like, well, you're not saying it to me. And I most certainly ain't saying it to you. So. Right. <laughs> so what we what we doing here? And. Um, so it's just not happening. Yeah. Right. I remember that interview. I watched it, that interview. Yeah. I guess the story mm-hmm. goes that. Like Prince declined it, but then he recorded his own version of Bad and then like sent it back to him. Like, yeah, this is what the song is supposed to sound like. So what is that's the way the story goes, because there's always been mm-hmm. like this uh, rivalry and air quotes between Michael and Prince, at least in a public sphere. But then, of course, mm-hmm. after they both passed away, um, people who knew Prince and Michael, they were like. Yeah, that was all for show. Like, they didn't hate each other. They had nothing but respect for each other. Because there is one video where Michael, Damn. Prince, and James Brown are all on the stage together. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. like it's fucking James Brown. Like, bow down. Because mm-hmm. without James Brown, yeah. you wouldn't have Michael Jackson or Prince. And uh-uh. <laughs> um, James Brown, of course, is doing his, his James Brownness because he's James fucking Brown. Um, uh-huh. And then he has Michael come up on stage. And uh, Michael. Um, Because it was like, I think he was, they were singing one of his songs. And then Michael whispers, you can see Michael whispering to James. um, And then James calls Prince out uh, up to come on stage. And then they all just kind of jam with each other. And then Prince and Michael leave and let, you know, James Brown finish his set or whatever. But it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, they didn't, that, that, it's part of like that whole controversy sells records. And especially in the 80s, because now you're like moving into this different space of like how to sell records yeah. and how to get attention and everything like that. So in the 80s, it wasn't like a direct diss track. You know, it's just like my my numbers outperform yours or whatever. And you would go back and forth mm-hmm. that way. But 
you know, the joke, of course, being <laughs> we're the ones making them rich because we're the ones buying the records. We're the ones going, yeah. well, I like Michael. Well, I'm Team Prince. Well, I don't, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. It's like, okay, well, the money's still going to their pocket, so... <laughs> <laughs> and for for somebody who I was I was of, of course a fan of both and I was a fan of Michael Jackson earlier than Prince because Michael Jackson singing with his brothers with Jackson Five mm-hmm. and I would get little records on the back of Cereal my boxes. Cheerio box yeah yeah my mom told me about that I got those. ABC mm-hmm. and so so of course I was a fan of Michael Jackson first however. You know, Prince comes along in the 80s, and I've, you know, I'm a, I never knew there was, I never saw any kind of thing. I guess they just didn't play that on TV in Dallas. I don't know. There was never, I never knew that there was a rivalry or that there was supposed to be or that they presented or created this fake rivalry between the two. I never knew that. I just didn't even know. And I didn't know. You know how Prince felt about We Are the World. In fact, I just thought, oh, maybe he was busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why he didn't join it. And I didn't. I wasn't a huge We Are the World fan anyway. I always thought it was kind of weird too. Mm-hmm. I always thought like, wow, this is a whole bunch of people just singing, and the money that we purchased the record album with is supposed to go to poor people. Mm-hmm. I was always of the opinion, why are why are rich people doing that when they could just give the mon- money? Because that would have <laughs> made sense. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, okay, so so these rich musicians or people, you know, I understand you use your talents, but honestly, if you just have a big pile of money, why just can't you just give them money and then not expect me to purchase your album to give them money? I, I, it just Because I, that's socialism, I be, Tammy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. Well, maybe that put me on Team Prince. I don't know, but right. I did not know that Prince – yeah, and I didn't know that Prince said no. Now, reading through this other article, I guess – Quincy Jones was friends with uh, Prince's dad. Okay. Interesting. Um, John Prince Nelson. Um, uh, so it, it uh, so I guess, I guess he knew him like his, for when he was really young. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's, you know, so he knew him. They just never worked together because mm-hmm. again, you know, Prince produced a lot of his own most of his own stuff right. even even when he was with warner brothers or whatever you know warner brothers just wanted the rights they didn't care who produced it mm-hmm. well yeah and so he did a lot of that so he didn't he wasn't he wasn't around looking for a producer hmm. interesting which is which is what you know quincy, quincy jones would do is, that's, that's what he does isn't with uh, like purple rain is it like semi-autobotic uh, autobiographical this is what happened we don't sleep um, didn't like, sort sort parts are parts part, are. from from everything I've read about Prince parts are mm-hmm. but they're it's of course you know twisted so like his father was a musician but he didn't shoot himself okay um, well because I was gonna ask like so, did he have like a good because yeah. re- in the movie he didn't have like a good relationship with his dad so I no. wonder like did he not have a good relationship with his with his father think, in real life I I think it was I. From what all everything that I've read and in interviews that I've read, it wasn't that he he didn't have a good relationship with him. His dad was just absent a lot because he uh, was a musician. He was gone. Okay. So it wasn't he just he just wasn't around. Gotcha. Um. So it wasn't like they played ball in the yard together, kind of mm-hmm. thing. What? And Prince having this talent, his dad of course promoted that, but being on the road a lot, you know, he wasn't a- around. And he wasn't like Ozzy because Ozzy Osbourne took his kids on the road with him, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they always took the kids with him, and so, uh, but he never did because, again, I had never heard of, you know, his dad before, right? Until so, I I wasn't in those kind because of, he's more of a, a blues jazz pianist, okay, 
And so we, yeah, I, I would never have known, you know, that kind of situation. Okay. So, because well, I, I mean, wonder... I'm, I'm, I'm into jazz and blues, but my dad was more into like the jazz and blues standards. So we had a lot of an R&B standard. So we had like a lot of Aretha. We had a lot, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But he didn't know like the ones that were maybe on the, or just the musician part, not, you know. Okay. So. Well, because I wonder with know. if Quincy Jones knew his dad or whatever, and this is pure speculation, um, mm-hmm. was like maybe Prince kind of saw Quincy as like somebody who took his dad away, like because of the music. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, maybe, maybe I, don't know, I mean, I don't know. again, pure speculation, I mean, that's a reach. I yeah, don't know. Pure speculation. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's not something that. Prince just didn't talk about his family very much. Not because... And he's got brothers and sisters. I mean, his dad, like, his parents split up. His mom remarried. So he's got half-brothers and sisters from that marriage. And then his... He's got, I think, a full sister from from his mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And then he's his dad remarried. So, I mean, Prince actually has a big family. <laughs> mm-hmm. He just never talked about them because, you know, he's one of those that's like, look, you know, uh, that's, that's the whole point of his controversy album. Ah. The song especially. Is basically you don't know, and I'm not going to tell you. So you just guess what you, you know, right? You're just going to think what you think, mm-hmm. and that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't care. So he just does what he does. He tells people what he wants to tell them, and that's it. And most of it's been pretty consistent. Sometimes it's like ah, he never said that before, or he said something a little bit different before. But for the most part, he just didn't talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. He didn't feel like that was a necessary part of his musicianship is everybody knowing his business right well especially like with your family and stuff it's like because when you become mm-hmm. famous you become a target right. but so do your the people yes. around you and it's like so maybe to protect them um you know as best as best he could anyway it's like well, yeah focus right. on me like you came to see my show it's my music why right. are you talking about my brother and sister and you know so on and so forth because i've even thought about that you know i mean obviously i'm not prince but um you know, if the album blew up and, you know, got a bunch of attention and whatever, you know, I thought mm-hmm. about my friends and family, um, you know, do they end up becoming, um, you know, targets, you know, just simply by knowing me? And then would you want, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking like, would I want to wish that upon them? Right. Because they're minding their business. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't ask to be famous. They didn't right, you know, want right. to be. Exactly. Um but here yeah. it is, like, I'm doing my thing. And then, you know, so tell me about your mom. It's like, my mom is my mom. Mind your business. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's mom. Yeah. Well, his dad, his dad does have a Wikipedia page. It's John L. Nelson. Okay. His name was John Lewis Nelson. But his stage name was Prince Rogers, which is what they named Prince. Gotcha. Prince Rogers Nelson. Okay. And he, he didn't die till 2001. So, I mean, he was, you know, he was in Prince's life. He just, mm. again, he was a musician. You know, he was, he was just... He was a jazz musician and songwriter, so he he just was not around, you know. So Prince spent a lot of time at his friend's house mm-hmm. that had a piano and stuff um, and musical instruments. He spent a lot of time, believe it or not, with his band director. <laughs> Go figure. He spent a lot of time in the band hall, even though he wasn't really part of band. But he was he played around in the band hall at his middle school um, because he really he just enjoyed that. Oh. He just wasn't into like marching band and shit, which is fine. Hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So he, he, you know, I mean, he is, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, so if he's a jazz musician and stuff, of course he's going to probably know Quincy Jones back in the day. 
Right. Although he he was much older because Quincy Jones was born in 1933 and Prince's dad was born in 1916. Oh wow! Yeah, he was he was the same age, I guess, as my grandparents. Oh wow! My grandparents were born in in like 1916, 1917, and made it all the way yeah. to 2001. Go ahead. Yeah, right. Exactly. I know. Wow. <laughs> my grand my grandparents did too. I had you know most of my grandparents died in like the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. I mean, good. I mean, it's great, but it's just like, ah, oh, that's that's crazy. It's a good yeah, thing. So they, that, like, they that long, but wow. Yeah. So he has a full blood sister, um, uh, with his his uh for his mom and dad. Okay. Tyka Nelson. She's also a singer. I've okay. I've heard of her. Like mm-hmm. I, I was mm-hmm. like I, yeah. I was gonna say like mm-hmm. like it started with I knew it started with a T. Yeah. But okay, because she took over his estate, I believe. Yes, she's yeah, the one that yeah. like set up the, um, like the tours mm-hmm. and stuff for his house and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe they still do uh, Paisley Park after dark. No, they do. Well, maybe not. Well, not right now. Probably be like because of COVID and whatever. But um, before all of that, they did it because um, they talked about it on on the tour when I went. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. which you should totally yeah, do so. as a Prince fan. You would yeah. love it. But anyway. Yes, I, I, someday I'll get to Minnesota. It's just kind of really far for me now. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's really far. But, yeah. So, she, yeah, she's a singer also. She's put out several albums. Okay. She's released, like, four albums. His sister has. Um, I don't know where there's a picture of her, though. Hmm. Uh, I don't think so. I'm just curious. Does she look anything like print? They're, you know, full-blood... Right. A little bit, okay. But a little bit, I guess. Just not, not. She looks more like their dad. Okay. Is that a thing? I don't and know. Then, That'd be a different episode. It's like because I take more after my mother, and my sister mm-hmm. takes more after our father. Mm-hmm. You know, now that yeah. I'm like I'm getting older, um, like I can I can see both my parents in me, but like I've always favored my mom's side of the family. And yeah. my sister favors more of my dad's size. Like, is that a thing between siblings? I don't know. Whatever. Different podcast episode. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We should probably get back to Quincy Jones. Now I'm looking at a picture of his mom. So yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, this is off. I mean, I can I can see where he gets stuff. I can see where his sister gets stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's fine. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well. And she died in 2002. His oh, his mom. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. okay. His, yeah, his sister still, his sister still alive. All right. Well. All right. Well, back to Quincy Jones. Yes, yeah. that was our off kills here, but hey, that's why we're here. Does it? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I guess he he got the National Medal of Arts from Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I remember that mm-hmm. being in the news uh, when he got it. Um, and I've always, well, always, I knew of Quincy Jones. I just didn't realize how far his reach um was yeah, i didn't realize I, that and like i knew i knew yeah all i knew honestly was because of michael jackson you know so mm-hmm. off the wall thriller and bad is michael jackson quincy jones um bruce swodine if i'm saying his name right and rod temperton um 
And that started because of The Wiz in 1977. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Like, I didn't know. Sure. I, I've seen The Wiz, but I, and of course, like, I've known Quincy Jones as an older gentleman. So, of course, when you see him younger, you don't recognize him right away. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's in the movie. He's, um, he's like the, the master of ceremonies or the maestro or something where, um, you know, they're trying to get to the yellow brick road or whatever. Or not mm-hmm. actually they've gotten there, but they're in like some part of the city um, at night and the colors keep changing and oh. he's like leading the the processional basically. So like all the dancers and all the all the carnival people or whatever are, mm-hmm. you know, celebrating and he's like directing them. So he goes from like, you know, I'm tired of all of this this yellow. I'm changing the color to green. And then they do a little song about the color green. It's like, I'm tired of this. I'm changing the color to red and um, or whatever. However the song goes. But it's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's Quincy Jones. Because by that point, he had been doing movie scores. And mm-hmm. um, they brought him in to do uh, the score for The Wiz. Or, and, and that's where he and Michael Jackson met. And then the rest, of course, is history. But um, right. I didn't. That's where I I. I conceptually learned about Quincy Jones. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, it wasn't until 2018 when they did the documentary and they did a vulture interview where I actually got to learn about Quincy Jones. Yeah, okay. I was like, is that the oh. one that you sent me? That's the one I read. Yes. Is that the one I read? Okay. Yes. He is cantankerous. Right? Well, I mean, the brother's 90s. I like, like look. that, though. Yeah, I know, but I like that, though. Mm-hmm. I like he's got secrets. Yeah. Well, he's got. Secrets and again, about he, everybody. He has power. It's like what? Do do what? Because yeah, this is the funny, funny thing. It's like people in power can tell on other people in power because they have the same level mm-hmm. of power. That's what equality mm-hmm. actually is. Well, equity. Yeah, anyway. there you go. People in power. Which is why you know you build a whole system that's predicated on inequity. But anywho, because brother was spilling some secrets in that motherfucker. I was like, oh! Yeah, he was. <laughs> Not the really good ones, though. He wouldn't talk about Bill Cosby. Yeah, I know, right? I saw that. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, why don't we talk? And then, and then the guy asked him about Oprah being president. He's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, think she's, I don't think she should be president, but, you know, she's a nice person or whatever. And then the interviewer follows up, and he doesn't even answer the question about Oprah. I was like, no. Uh, didn't he ask you about yeah. Oprah? <laughs> What are what are you not saying about Oprah? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Like, how many kittens has she killed to become famous? I'm just saying. I'm just kidding. Kittens. <laughs> well, babies was too far. At least with kittens, it's okay. I'm kidding. Well, it's okay with kittens. Okay. <laughs> it's fine with babies. You know, because puppies She's are cute. Puppies killer. are too cute to cut. Cu- puppies are, are too close to, to, to babies. So, you know, cats, it's like. You mm, are going to you are going to add too much to the conspiracy theory about liberal Hollywood and all their, you know, crazy witchcraft stuff that they do. Oh, yeah. Actually, wouldn't that be you a know, step down? Because like, they're already messing with kids, right? Isn't that the, the theory? <laughs> yeah, I guess so it would be, be a step a, down. It's like, no, no we can go back to animals. <laughs> For people who really like animals, that's like that's I know. outrageous. I'm just saying, <laughs> kill the babies, but come on, the you best leave place them. to hide leave, is in plain sight. Leave I'm the all kittens I'm saying. alone. All I'm saying, leave the the kitties, leave the kitties alone. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, 
I'm just kidding. Speaking of puppies, I can hear mine downstairs. She's barking <laughs> up a storm, and I'm pretty sure Doug's probably got his headphones on, ignoring it. I hope he is, because otherwise that's probably driving Doug crazy. Oh, oh okay. Here, here, right here. Uh, mm-hmm. So interviewer asks, would your friend Oprah be, yes. a, good, be a good president? And he responds, yeah. I don't think she should run. She doesn't have the chops for it. If you haven't been the governor of a state or CEO of a company or a military general, you don't know how to lead people. An interviewer counters, she is the CEO of a company, which is true. He mm-hmm. responds, mm-hmm. a symphony conductor knows how to lead uh, uh, most business. Uh, excuse me. Let me try that again. A symphony conductor knows more, more about how to lead than most business people, more than Trump mm-hmm. does. He doesn't know shit. Someone who knows the, uh, knows about real leadership wouldn't have as many against him as he does. He's a fucking idiot. All that is true, but we asked about Oprah. <laughs> yeah, he deflected for sure. Yeah, at least he doesn't like Trump. Yeah, right. But did he dated Ivanka yeah. uh, for yeah, a couple of no, uh, he minutes? Said he dated Ivanka. I was like, when? How? Why? And she's like, oh my God, you're ninety, uh-huh. and and Trump is like seventy five or six. Uh-huh. So, oh my God! And this was ten years Gross. ago from this article, which would have been two thousand and eight. Been, then he would have been because he was turning what eighty five in this article. Uh-huh. In this article, he was turning eighty five. Yeah, so that means he would have been seventy five, and then Ivanka would have to be like sixteen. I'm just kidding. See, that whole family is fucked up. <laughs> I'm not saying gross on, on Quincy Jones's part. I'm saying, oh, her dad keeps dating young people, so now she's dating old people. Gross. Yeah, why not? The universe uh, has to have a counterbalance. It doesn't always make sense. Uh, <laughs> I don't yeah. Well, I liked also with this article, I did like, um, let's see, let's get to the music part. That way it can, I mean, he talks trash about lots of people. He talks trash about the Beatles and all that kind of stuff, which is cool. That was funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is funny. But let's see, he was talking about how, okay, here's the question for the interviewer. We've obviously been learning more lately about just how corrosive the entertainment industry can be for women. Yes. As someone who's worked in that business at the highest levels for so many years, do all the recent revelations come as a surprise? And he says, no, man, women had to put up with fucked up shit. Women and brothers were both dealing with the glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. And then and then he jumps in about about Bill Cosby. But I want to jump down to, uh, 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 not that, not that, not that. When he talks about, not that either. <laughs> when he talks about pop music. Mm-hmm. Yes, because um, he said that there yeah, was a, he, somebody... Mm-hmm. I, I know what you're talking about. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead. I'll, I'll catch well, up. Well, he talks about how it's not it's not good anymore. So mm-hmm. where where am I down there? He's let's see there. Oh, here it is. Do you hear the spirit of jazz and pop today? He says no. People gave it give it gave it up to chase money. Mm-hmm. When you go after Chirac vodka and Fat Farm and all that shit, God no God walks out of the room. I've never in my life made music for money or fame, not even Thriller. Then he talks about is there innovation happening in modern pop music? That's the interviewer. And Quincy Jones says, hell no. It's just loops, beats, rhymes, and hooks. Yes. What is there for me to learn from that? There ain't no fucking songs. Uh The song is the power. The singer is the messenger. The greatest singer in the world cannot save a bad song. I learned that 50 years ago, and it's the single greatest lesson I ever learned as a producer. If you don't have a great song, it doesn't matter what else you put around it. So, and then and then he claims everything he's ever done is innovative. So that's good. <laughs> that's good. There's, you know, hey man, if you're 84 and you're Quincy fucking Jones, go on with your ego. I mean, that's like, good. But good where's where's the lie? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, 
And he said, oh, then the, the, this, this follows with what we've talk, been talking about. So the interviewer says, what would account for the songs being less good than they used to be? <laughs> and Quincy Jones says, the mentality of the people making the music. Mm-hmm. Producers now are ignoring all the musical principles of the previous generations. It's a joke. That's not the way it works. You're supposed to use everything from the past. If you know where you come from, it's easier to get where you're going. You need to understand music to touch people and become the soundtrack to their lives. Honest to God, he's correct, mm-hmm. because I don't see any of these modern, I'll put it in air quotes, artists mm-hmm. uh, having a soundtrack. Prince's Purple Rain was my soundtrack for 1984. Mm-hmm. Honest to God. That was like, I lived by that fucking album. And, and I had a Carly Simon album that I lived by oh, about 10 years after that, actually. But my question is, I know Taylor Swift is very popular. Mm-hmm. What album are people... Like, this is their soundtrack to their like tenth grade year. Exactly. Does it does it really? Are they good enough to be soundtracks for somebody's year, or do they just like one or two songs off of it, and that's pretty much it? And they download the the one or two songs off of iTunes or whatever. Uh huh. The latter. Okay. Yeah, honestly, well, especially now, just because it's so accessible. But I do not hear. I've not heard anybody say. A Taylor Swift, or even like some of Beyonce's later yeah. stuff. Maybe Beyonce yeah. is a, is a not a unique case, but uh, I say odd, not as a slight, but odd as as far mm-hmm. as she's she's part of the MTV era, so she's yeah. part of that era where you know albums would be soundtracks of your life, and mm-hmm. when she went solo in the early two thousands, um, one. Again, it's subjective, but one could argue that um, her first album or her second album could serve as that, especially with songs like mm-hmm. Irreplaceable or whatever. Like if you went through a breakup or whatever like that, that was on everybody's uh, playlist in 2006. because That's one of her biggest hits. Um, yeah. But anybody after the MTV era. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Taylor Swift is I will say this. Mm-hmm. The most modern album and I, I hate to cut you off, but the, the most modern album that became a soundtrack for me, believe it or not, was Fergie's The Duchess. Okay. The year that came out because there were so many hits that we the, the, for the listeners, go please see our our podcast about multiple hits from one album. Mm-hmm. Uh because there were so many hits that came off that album, which there was. There was like, what, six. four? Four? Six, okay. That album, Liz and I listened to that album all the time. Mm-hmm. So like that year that that came out, that that was a soundtrack for that year for me. I listened to it. And now listening to the songs, it's like, really? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's cute. But. I know, right? So, but it's, some of them don't hold up. Like, some of them still do. I like Clumsy. She, she, I like the yeah. production of I, Clumsy. I do. Oh, I like Clumsy. Clumsy is a very good song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like, I like. you know, I, there's there's a, there's, I think there's a song called Finally. And that one, that one is absolutely beautiful because that's really kind of like me and Doug. Mm-hmm. But, and I and I do I like I like London Bridge. It's it. Those are fun. London you know? Bridge is funny. Finally, but I didn't realize it, it was is. her. It came on the radio, and I was like, Yeah. Oh wow, this sounds really nice. And then I called the radio station. And I was like, Hey, yeah. you just played that really? song. And it's yeah. like, Who who sings that? And it's like Fergie. I was like, Really? What? Yeah. Fergie. Yeah. No, she was. 
She's better as a solo artist. <laughs> yeah, well, that but, I like that album. No, I I I got mm-hmm. it. I bought it. Um, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. I was surprised, and I listened to it all the way through. But I think yeah. there's there's like that delay at the end of the album. Um, yeah. The, like the, when the final song goes off and then finally comes yeah. on. I think mm-hmm. the first time mm-hmm. I listened to it since there was like that dead space, I thought it was the end of the album, so I turned oh, it off. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when that song yeah. came on the radio. Yeah. Um, that did not sound like Fergie, um, yeah. you know, yeah. that we were used to. And mm-hmm. Fergie mm-hmm. sounds good recorded at the time. She didn't sound that great live. Like she was still trying no, to find no, her live singing that. voice. Yeah, um, that's fine. I mean, that's, you know. That's but, why I, mean, I was surprised. Yes. I'm like, Fergie who? <laughs> right, oh, I hit my microphone. Sorry. It's going to be loud. That's I'm right. sorry. That's right. Um, yeah, right. Is that the, like. I get she's playing the Duchess too, cause Fergie, the British, Fergie is a Duchess. I get it. That's fun. <laughs> ah. Anyway, the well, red-haired Fergie that was and well, married to Prince Andrew. She used to hang out with Lady Diana or Princess Diana. Oh yeah, her. And she was a Duchess. I didn't follow that, but she I went d- by Fergie. Sarah Ferguson is what her real name. Gotcha. Unlike unlike Stacy Ferguson, mm-hmm. who was Fergie the. The singer. Hey, Stacy. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so he he. Okay. So he later on, you know, to continue that, mm-hmm. um, the interviewer says, "I'm trying to isolate what you specifically believe the problem with modern pop is. It's the lack of formal musical knowledge on the part of the musicians." Mm-hmm. And and Quincy says, "Yes," and they don't even care. care they don't have it. Mm-hmm. And then he he does list who he thinks is doing the work. But jumping down, uh, the interviewer says, putting aside the quality of contemporary songs, are there any technical or sonic production techniques that feel fresh? And here's something interesting about that, because if, in my opinion, before I, before I say Quincy Jones's reply, for, for me, and we talked about this too, it's like if the people behind the scenes aren't doing the work, then the, the, the musicians, singers, whatever, can't do the work either. Right. And so, you know, we talked about how they're just pumping them out. There's like a formula, but there's not... There's not anything. They're not putting into into it the same stuff they used to. There's no substance. And so he, right? He kind of says that too, because he says, "No, there ain't nothing new. The producers are lazy and greedy." Yeah. And then interviewer says, "How does that laziness manifest itself?" And then <laughs> Quincy Jones says, "Listen to the music. These guys don't know what they're doing. You've got to respect the gift God gave you, learning your craft." Mm-hmm. He says, um, "Everybody's lazy." Yeah. Um, because the thing is, is that, like it's yeah. it's akin to. Somebody giving you the answers to your math test. Yes. Oh, my God. Later, he said, the interviewer says, do you see a future for the music business? And Mm -hmm. Quincy Jones says, there isn't a music business anymore. Mm -hmm. If these people had paid attention to Sean Fanning 20 years ago, I don't know who that is, but I'll look that up later. He said, we wouldn't be in this mess. But the music business is still too full of these old school bean counters. You can't be like that. You can't be one of these back in my day people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I like how the interviewer, though, says, you're talking about business, not music, but... And I mean this respectfully. Don't some of your thoughts about music fall under the category back in my day? (laughs) (laughs) But then he does talk about about the way he did. He kind of clear how Quincy Jones clarifies music Mm -hmm. is is brilliant to me. Mm -hmm. He says musical principles exist, man. Musicians today can't go all the way with the music because they haven't done their homework with a left brain. Music is emotion and science. You don't have to practice emotion because that comes naturally. Technique is different. I love this. This part is so great. If you can't get your finger between three and four and seven and eight on a piano, you can't play. 
You can only go so get so far without technique. People limit themselves musically, man. Do these musicians know tango, macumba, yorumba, and so yorubas, and so on? And so I I find that interesting because to bring Prince back into the mix, Prince was one of those musicians, which is really kind of weird that they never worked together because Prince did the work. Prince could play all that stuff. Prince could put his finger between three and four and seven and eight on a piano, right? So his his theories were the same way. There's been several times that people have interviewed Prince about music and he said this uh, pretty much the same thing Quincy Jones did. Mm -hmm. If you are limiting yourself to just what you think you know you can do and you're not trying to stretch yourself in any kind of way, you're not really a musician. Mm -hmm. you're, if you're not trying new things all the time, you're not a musician. If you're just sticking what puts money in your pocket, you are not you're not an entertainer. You're not a musician. You're no, not, you're not doing your, your not job. They're an entertainer. They're not an artist. They're an entertainer. They're not an artist. No, okay. yeah. They're not an artist. Mm. Well, it depends because sometimes they're not even an entertainer. If you're going to stand out there and just lip sync and do like a couple turns on the stage, to me, you're still you're not even an entertainer. Well, no, no, no. They're not a and good I'll, I'll, entertainer, but like, like by <laughs> definition, they're, they're entertaining okay. somebody, right, gotcha. but just not well, good at some it. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I, guess, I guess it depends. You know, some tween that is, you know, physically hot for their form maybe but for the most part mm. you know i i don't you know there's not a lot of there's there's for me some of it's the the showmanship is gone for that too however mm -hmm. to for me going to a concert was just showmanship and i i i know i keep throwing taylor swift under the bus but goddamn she she's the only one on stage mm -hmm. most of the time or she's got a couple dancers mm -hmm. and for me that's like you know i i need i need more than just her walking around singing and a couple dancers. Now, see, I, that's the problem I have sometimes with Beyonce also. It's so much flash. Mm -hmm. The lights, the can, you know, the, the, the costumes, everybody dancing, that it kind of, after a while, I'm like, so where's the band? <laughs> <laughs> where's, where's the people that are actually making this music besides her voice? Well. Uh, and I guess to me, that's, you know, that's, a, I guess... I'm old school that way for sure. In her I'll defense, use, I'll use the dirted phrase back in my day. <laughs> in her defense, watch her Coachella performance because it was, it was on and popping. Beyonce's. Oh yeah. Beyonce's. Oh yeah. Okay. Was there a band on stage? Oh yeah. There was a whole high school. Okay. I believe it's That's high school. That's cool. Or college, I'll get that. But they had a marching band and they. Uh, and even better, I yeah. I admire her more now. Mm -hmm. For sure, I'll look that I, up because you know. Was it high school? I, I and it was I, high school I, and college. Well, she got she, okay. wherever she was. She got um, the schools to be her backing band. Yeah. And that is fucking fantastic. Yeah. I admire Beyonce for that one hundred percent. I take back most of the things I've <laughs> I can't take it all back because yeah. that doesn't you know that doesn't that doesn't. Well, and, to me, that doesn't change the fact that I don't like the way she sings. But <laughs> I admire her now as far as, like, her her showmanship quality. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Her, She's part of her that. Her entertainment. She grew up in the mm -hmm. house that Janet and Michael built. So, it's like, and she's part of that yeah. MTV era. So, yeah. she, yeah. as a performer, um, she she's put in the work. She's studied, yeah. you know, the, the quote-unquote, the greats. And... From what I understand, she is a pretty pro well, at one point was a pretty prolific songwriter, and she still writes. But yeah. Um, yeah. you know, she's had a phase in her career um, where 
her writing doesn't get as much attention as it did, you know, 10 or 20 years ago. And that's just, again, the music. It's a shame. I mean, if she writes good songs, mm-hmm. you know, that that's, but you know, I'm all about that, too. I really like it's the music people who write their songs. Because mm-hmm. she doesn't get, even though Beyonce is still, quote, unquote, Beyonce, she's still, she's 40-something. And yeah. because the music industry, as Quincy Jones says, like women got the you know a bunch of bullshit to deal with, because she's forty three and she's a mother of three, um, yeah, she does not get the same push as she did when she was twenty three and didn't have kids. Like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. the music industry yeah. punishes women um, when they are no longer uh, sex sex objects because you can't objectify mm-hmm. them. And we, we have this weird, not weird, but we have this uh, perception of women in the music business or entertainment period where it's like you're either the girl next door who's unattainable and you better have your virtue intact. If you don't, mm-hmm. we'll punish you for that first, but then turn you into like a sex pot. And that usually happens like between 19 and 25. But after that, if you end up, I should say end up, if you become a mother, then that just like kicks you out of the industry because how can we have mm-hmm. mothers be, you know, sex objects or unattainable standards or whatever? It's like, it, it's this really weird, well, it's all patriarchy, but it just, it, it, it yeah. makes no sense, but that's what happens because they did that to Britney yeah. Spears. Britney Spears was the girl next door when she came out with Baby One More Time, who just had like a little bit of an edge, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and she's supposed to be a virgin and all this other stuff. Uh, Again, not not how I care, not that I cared, but that's how she was promoted. Uh, Same thing with Jessica Simpson. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when Britney's second album came out, now she's like, no, no, she she does have sex or does she have sex? We're not really sure. And then after her and Justin Crustenflake broke up, um, he's like, oh, yeah, I took her virginity or whatever. So now she's, you know, the slut or whatever. But now she's doing slave for you. Now she's she's mature. Now she's a woman or whatever. And they ride that wave. And then mm-hmm. when her and K-Fed uh, got together and she um, had her first child, now they're like, oh, Brittany's a mom now. She can't be up there you know, talking about she's a slave for you and, and doing all this sexual stuff and whatever. You saw how public opinion turned on Britney Spears after she had her first child. But then um, when she had her interview with, uh, I believe it was Tucker Carlson before he joined Fox News. This is like mm-hmm. when Tucker Carlson was still the person. But mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. it was either Tucker Carlson or Matt Lauer, one of the two. Anyway, um, she had announced that she was pregnant with her second child. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And so now it's like, oh, yeah, Britney's, Britney's off limits. You know, she's, she's not sexy anymore or whatever. She did have a resurgence in 2008, 2009. Um, she had her, like, mm-hmm. quote, unquote, comeback. Um, but even the marketing around that was not, it was like Britney still has it, but Britney's not. Uh, you know, a super sexual type person. She can be like a sexy mom ish, but she's <laughs> not. She's not the the naughty girl next door anymore. Um, also, yeah. I will say some of the conversation before Free Britney and all that. Some of the conversations did shift because you had uh, the whole MILF uh, thing 
yeah. an idea. So like yeah. if Britney is now in the MILF category, then it's it's okay or it's it's more accepted, I should say. Again, in air quotes, all yeah. the asterisks, you know, all the caveats, of course. And that's just one example mm-hmm. because they did the same thing to Vanessa Williams. They did the same thing to Pink. Uh, and Pink was never like she never marketed herself that way or she was never marketed as like a a super sexual type person or like like she's sexy, but she was never the girl next door. Um, she was never marketed that way. Um, mm-hmm. But after, um, you know, she had her first child, I believe, in 2010, I think I could be off with that. Um, you know, she, her subsequent albums didn't have the same push as her albums did before she had a, um, a child. Mm-hmm. So and that's just again, that's a few examples. But that's women. Right. Because men in the industry who get women pregnant don't have that same stigma. No, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, women are are um vilified for becoming mothers, but the men that, you know, got them pregnant, they're celebrated for becoming a father, right? But again, that's yeah. patriarchy, right? Cuz it's yeah. it's a very weird thing, and it makes no sense, but that's what happens. It's like when you say it out loud, you're like, "Wait a minute, that that's fucking stupid." It is. But that's what happens in practice. Isn't that some shit? Yeah. You know, and that's what Quincy. Yes. Um, you know, just mentioned. But also, he's right with um, the music industry. Like, there is no music business anymore. And, like, you do mm-hmm. have to put in the work. And that's also why it ties to our conversations of not only the hits don't hit anymore, but also why your right. award shows suck, too. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't watched them in years because they started to go downhill mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. ago. And, you know, yeah. So I just stopped watching Grammys and stuff. Cause, and then, of course, I blamed it on my age. You know, after a while, it was like, I don't know who these people are. Why do I give a flying fuck if they get an award from this? Why do I care if they award themselves? Because I don't even know who they are. Mm-hmm. I'm at that point now with the, the uh, Academy Awards, too. I don't know who any of these actors are, mm-hmm. um, unless they're really old. But I mean that that became that way with music because it was like why are they why are they getting an award? Mm-hmm. What well, that, that song sucks. What are they doing? And I will Who's say like he's these awards? not only is he right, but like that kind of applies to me to an extent because I can't play a musical instrument. I wanted to. I wanted to learn how to. I mean, I guess I still could. I'm not dead. But um, <laughs> when I recorded my first album, um, Matt, my producer. I'm yeah. thankful and very grateful to him that he complimented, um, you know, what I lacked. Like he could play instruments. I also don't yeah. have musical theory. He does. He's a mu- he's like more so a musician in that sense. Like I came from it from a visual and and sonic perspective, where I was like, there are certain sounds or certain, um, you know, certain tones that I that I'm looking for. But I don't have the technical skill to play an instrument in order to do that. Thankfully, he does. So we were able to put our heads together, and that's how the album came about. Um, yeah. So it's like, I guess, I, and also, I don't have musical theory because I can't play uh, instruments. So he was like, that's both a blessing and a curse because that allows me um, to uh, be more free and creative with different ideas. But it also hinders 
what I want to do because it's just not physically possible or sonically possible. Certain notes that I would have is like, well, those notes don't actually work together. So when you hear them out loud, they clash. If you have musical theory, you would know that. So there are certain things yeah. where um, there are certain notes or certain certain sounds on songs that had to be changed just because um, in the real world, that's how these notes work. One of the things that uh, Quincy Jones said in the documentary when he was learning how to play music, um, he went to a conservatory in France, and I forget the person's name, but she, she's quite renowned. Um, so yeah, how do I forget her name? Because I don't speak French. Anyway, um, <laughs> but she he was learning from her and she, and she had told him that there are only 12 notes. Um, yeah. And it's what you do with those notes um, that you find the beauty and what you can do in music. And like the more restrictions okay. you put on your music, the more free you can be. And for him, he's like, that didn't make sense because as a jazz player, you know, it's about interpretation yeah. and improvisation. Um, right. But he's like, once she explained that to him um, and there was like a there was like a famous piece in um, in classical music that she told him to like break down to 12 notes and then yeah. build it back up using the techniques that she taught him. I'm like simplifying this, but basically. Um, she's yeah, like, no, I get it. break it down to these notes and then build mm -hmm. it back up using, you know, this method that I taught you, whatever. And you'll start to see a certain pattern form as you keep building it back up. And that song that yeah. is telling you something about, you know, the music. And he's like, once he did that, it's like it all is. It's, it's kind of like learning the Fibonacci sequence or something. It's like, <gasps> I see it. I understand the matrix. I got it. <laughs> it's like, mm hmm. And, yeah. and you don't he's right it's like people don't have that these days part of it is that um you don't have the time or the space uh to really sit there and actually learn it you don't have people who have the time and the space uh to teach it um you know it's not just because they're taking the arts out of schools like that's a big part of it but just the way that our society has been progressing or regressing uh, mm -hmm. You don't have um, the kind of resources that even he like he had at the time. Like it, it was definitely a different time and space when he grew up. Yeah, and not just because That's things true. were segregated. That was part of it, but also mm -hmm. like he was able to go to France to learn music. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know that's. And he was lucky enough to do that. That was luck. It, it, like he did the hard yeah, work was. to learn things, but it yeah. kind of just happened to him. It just to get there. Yeah, yeah, just to get there is luck. And so he he's right. There is like you do have to do your homework and really study this thing. Like emotion is emotion that comes naturally, or at least it should. Um, yeah. But the technical side of it to, to put it all together, to make sense of those emotions and then also be able to convey that emotion um, to get the listener to experience the same thing like yeah. there's that's the science like that's that's the science and the emotion yeah, and, and sure. i'd like to say you know either god or magic like to make like if in one of my songs for example like do i belong here there's a certain yeah. energy and a certain tone and a certain emotion that i want to convey and I want to make sure that the listener feels all of those things. If I did my, if yeah. Matt and I did uh, our jobs right, 
you should be able to feel those same emotions. So if I ask you, I think so, right? Like if I ask you, how does this song make you feel? We should get the same answer if we did our jobs right, right? But you don't, you don't have that now. Yeah, that's true. Like on mass, you really don't. Um, and so <laughs> it's kind of funny. Well, because there's no, there's yeah, there's no. I I. I think some of it does have the technical side, but I think some of it is lacking the emotion. Mm-hmm. Well, if I listen to a K, if I listen to like some of the stuff that's out now, I I feel nothing with it. And then when I ask people, what is what is it about that song you like? Oh, I like the beat. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, but is there anything else about this song that you know? I I every single song that I liked in the '80s, I can tell you exactly why I liked it, and it wasn't just the beat. Right. There was like something about it. That made me feel something, or I imagined something, um, but but now it's like, oh, so you like the beat? So if I just if I took the singer out and just put that beat on like a, a four track or you know, or something, if I just played that beat, you'd be fine with it? Yeah, that'd be cool. Can we loop that? It's <laughs> like what, what? Mm-hmm. So you just want the background stuff? You don't want the or they'll just be like, yeah, I just kind of like the lyrics. What are the lyrics? What do the lyrics say to you? Right. You know, and then it's like, well, I'm not really sure because it's kind of it's mumble rap or whatever. So, so you don't even know what the lyrics are, or what they mean. So, like, so like, okay. Recently, I've been really truly listening to songs that I've been listening to for my whole life, mm-hmm. and this happened to me a couple of years ago. But it's been hap- you know, like it's been happening more recently, where I'm listening and I'm like, wow, that's a. That's actually a really terrible song. <laughs> you know, it's 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 fine. I've been singing this my whole life, and I've been not realizing how, wow, how either misogynistic or ageist or or how hey, pedophilic some did, of these did, songs are, or how pedophilic some of it is yeah. that she was just seventeen. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? She's <laughs> the Beatles, just creepy. Sixteen years well, old. I was, yeah. like, why is she sixteen <laughs> years old, and you want to take her away and fly her and, and make love to her like she's never seen? Excuse me, sir. Oh my God, sir. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 it. Exactly. Okay. So, like all the songs from the eighties, I you know I I know all the lyrics. I've listened. I've I've you know paid attention to the lyrics. Whatever. Okay, I did. But there's songs from the seventies that I'm listening to. I'm going, what the hell? Oh yeah. The example that I always like to bring up is "Don't Fear the Reaper." When you listen, I don't care what Blue Oyster Cult says. Fuck them. They know what they were doing. I'm listening to it. I'm like, this is a fucking mutual suicide song. <laughs> this is about, well, they talk about Romeo and Juliet. You know, they talk about, you know, they give a statistic of how many people do this a year. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, we've been singing this song. Everybody's been singing this song for how long? Not that I want to ban it. Fuck no. Play it. Play it, play it, play it. Right? I don't care about that. I'm not talking about banning it, but I'm like, how come I never listened to the words? So then I was listening to the words a couple of years ago, Ozzy Osbourne's No More Tears. That's a serial killer song. <laughs> and then I looked it up and he said, it's a song about a serial killer. I was like, oh my God. It took me, you know, I was today years old. I found that out. Same way, same way with um, The Police's Every Breath You Take. That's a stalker song. Is it? Every breath you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you. Oh, well, yeah. It is. <laughs> if you listen to all the words. And then I looked that up, and Sting was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's about a stalker. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I just, so, so, but 
I kind of knew that, but see, for me, okay, this this is how I connected to that song, right? And this, the, I promise you, I have a point with all this, and then I, and then we gotta go. But <laughs> um, <laughs> so the way I connect with that song is, I at the time uh, that it came out, I was reading a book series called uh, Flowers in the Attic, and it was about these children who their dad died. Come to find out, it was okay. Come to find out, that was like their mom's uncle that she married. So uh, there's a lot of incest in this book. So uh, everybody, look it up. Flowers in the Attic was the hottest thing in the early '80s. I promise you, it was. Uh, so, so they, the their dad dies, their mom has to go back to her family who is very rich, to try you know to survive because she doesn't have any skills but being pretty. So they lock the kids up in the attic because the grandmother hates them because of the whole situation where the mom had married the uncle and blah blah blah. So those kids are up in the attic. So when that song came out, if you listen to the words and, and put it to the story of Flowers in the Attic, it fits. <laughs> it's like every breath she takes, every move she makes, they're, they're going to be watching their mom, right, from the attic. So it's like it fit. So I never really <laughs> thought about it being a stalker song. <laughs> that I connected. So, like, if anybody would have asked me, oh, you know, every breath you take, how is that? Oh, yeah, because of, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, but I connected to it either way. It brings out emotion in me. Mm-hmm. Wow, these poor kids, you know, I, and it's a fiction story, too. Okay, but I also, whenever I read, I you know I'm very empath. I'm a very empathetic person, so mm-hmm. even fictional stuff makes me cry like crazy. I can't I can't sit through Lord of the Rings, the first one when when Boromir gets killed. I can't sit through it without crying. But anyway, so uh, <laughs> so I I wonder. So when I ask students now, right? I can like I when I let them use earphones, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll walk up to them, tap on the shoulder. I can hear that. They're like, oh, it's great, isn't it? No, it's really not. What are they singing about? Uh-oh. And they can't tell me. Yeah. And it's like, what? Well, what is? It? What did he just say? Let me let me listen. And they're like, no, you probably don't want to. I'm like, you're probably right because I don't want to know what I think about it because I can tell you, I probably it's trash. But you tell me what? Why? Why do you connect with the song? And most of the time, they they can't tell me why they connect with it, and they don't really connect with it. It's just like a couple couple of them have been very very uh, straightforward. I'm asking, why do you listen to it? Because it's popular. Mm-hmm. So you just listen to it because everybody else does too? Yeah. yeah I want to feel but left out. Do you like that? Yeah. So there's that water cooler thing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like they don't watch the same TV shows anymore like I did when I was a kid. And I you know, ran to school. And it's like, oh, my God. Tootie on Facts of Life <laughs> was had this crush. And then Blair came in. And then everybody was just like, oh, my God, I love that show. You know? <laughs> Now they have these songs that make no sense <laughs> mm-hmm. and don't have any emotional connection, but because everybody listens to them, they listen to them. Mm-hmm. And it's like that. To me, that makes me sad, though. Yeah. Because I, I agree. Music, music should be, the science should be there. Yes, technique, well, whatever. But I need that. I need, I need, it's, I need a feeling with it. Music seemed to be the one thing that was universal because yeah. m- music connects different mm-hmm. ge- uh, genders, generations, yeah. races, all the things that have like been mm-hmm. uh, put to keep us separate, right? Or yeah. separated. Music is the yeah. one thing that brings everyone together. Because when you go to, especially like pop music of a certain era, yeah. when you go to the concert, you see everybody there. Everyone. And you know what? That's, that's the theme of the musical uh, uh, Hairspray. Mm-hmm. That's the theme of the musical hairspray. There you go. 
And you see, I do recommend everybody watch the one with Ricky Lake, though. Don't watch the don't watch the more modern one. Don't watch the more. I like the one with Queen Latifah. <laughs> I do not I like the one with Ricky Lake better. Well, I mean, that's Ricky Lake, De- Deborah Harry, Sonny Bono. I mean, that's the original, right? Yeah, yeah. I like. I that mean, one. it was good. I don't know. I just I like Queen Latifah. So like pretty much any and everything. I do she's like in, Queen I'm Latifah. Like, I mean, I do. You know. I did. Yeah. I did like her too, but I I like, and then, and I like, but I like Divine. Oh he yeah. Was in that. He was in the first one. He was Tracy. Tracy Turnblatt's mom. It was a little weird seeing John Travolta be Tate to be that that yeah. character. It was Tracy a little bit. I was like, yeah. okay, yeah. interesting, but it's not the same. Yeah, all right, Divine John. was amazing, so I preferred him. <laughs> but either way, but I mean, that's that's that was the whole point of you mm-hmm. know was desegregating things because everybody listens to the same music. Yeah, and everybody everybody enjoyed it, and everybody it was all cool. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can and so stop yeah, it. but now. Now I can't. Yeah. And it's not just, it is partly my age. I do get that. And I, you know, I've accepted that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. To a certain degree it was. But now I think it's gone beyond that. I think music doesn't have any, there's nothing personal about there's no it. There's soul. And I think, yeah, there's no soul. There's nothing personal about it. Nobody sings. Like I listen to Kenny Rogers. Yes, he's an old country star. But if you listen to The Gambler, it tells a fucking story. Mm-hmm. And it's a great story. And then, uh... <laughs> One of my, I, I love the Steve Miller band. They're awesome. And to listen to um, Take the Money and Run, it's a story. It's great. Mm-hmm. I like it. Now, does it bring out emotion? Kind of. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, they got away with the crime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's good. They're still running today. Yay. That's kind of cool. It's, it's, it's a story. I like it. You know, and then the stuff from the 80s. And, you know, there's some stuff from the 90s. I, 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 I connect with some Green Day songs and stuff, you know, from the 2000s mm-hmm. also. You know, there's some, there's some things. But now I'm, I, I struggle. Mm-hmm. I really do. I struggle with it. And I try. Occasion, on occasion, I'll be like, hey, you know, show me something that's school appropriate or teacher appropriate. Let me listen to it. Something they play on the radio. And then I'm just like, yeah, I can't. I just, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I don't know what they're trying to do because they're, they are bringing emotion out of me. It's called I'm I'm pissed off. You're right. <laughs> and you know I can handle some heavy metal thrashing. I can handle some bubblegum pop. I can handle all of that. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not the oh my god that's devil's music. No, it's oh my god. There's nothing to this music. Mm-hmm. This is not music. Mm-hmm. Like it's noise. And that's it. It is. It's just it's just somebody trying to make a buck. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think Quincy Quincy Jones is correct there. They're just trying to make money. They're not trying to put anything beautiful mm-hmm. into this world. Yeah. They're not trying to be artists. They're trying to just make money real quick off of it mm-hmm. and then ride that ride that wave as far as they can. They're squeezing the and last little it. bit that they yes. can because because that's it. the music industry um, as he knew it he being Quincy Jones like no longer he said like there's no more music industry or no more music business but what he came up in no longer exists in the documentary when they get to the section about Thriller um, and we can make this a two-parter because I know we got to wrap up but yeah um, I think I think so because my my dog is probably driving Doug absolutely insane (laughs) because I can I I've heard him yip for this entire hour alrighty alright well poor Doug uh, closing up at least for this part of it um, mm-hmm. When they get to the section about Thriller, um, mm-hmm. Michael is like, after the success of Off the Wall, 
when they when Michaels brings Thriller to uh, or what would become Thriller to Quincy and his team, he's like, yeah, we yeah. want to do like a hundred million on this one, and and you know we got to do this and do that, and he's like, Quincy's like, okay, that's cool, but calm down. Um, mm-hmm. We don't go into making an album with that in mind. Like you can't do that. Right. You know, like you, there's no way to plan for that. There's no way to to quantify that like that's god universe magic all these things working in your favor and that's right right. if they decide to like we're gonna come in and make the best uh put our best foot forward and and make the music that you know we came to make one thing that he added to that though was uh thriller apparently was supposed to he's like when we record these, these sessions are basically we're we're trying to produce an album that is going to save the recording music industry, because at the time yeah, okay. in nineteen in the nineteen eighties the music industry was in a slump. Um, really? Yes. This ties to. I did not notice that as a teenager. Right. Well, in the early nineteen <laughs> eighties, buying lots of music. <laughs> right. In the early nineteen eighties, mm-hmm. it was thriller yeah. and control. Uh, yeah. Actually, oh, sure. Yeah. Um, are credited with revitalizing the music industry when it comes to sales because i believe it yeah at the end of the 70s this is following the end of like the the quote-unquote the disco sucks movement in air quotes yeah Yeah. (laughs) because listen to you're wrong about episode uh it wasn't really a movement but also there was oh yeah racism uh connected to all of that um yeah but because of that the fallout from um the disco sucks movement um, that put the music industry in a bind because there was no other trend yet. Like disco had became so trendy at that point so that when the bottom fell out, there was no there was no other trend to latch on to. So when yeah. Thriller comes okay. out um, and especially like black artists in particular, they didn't want to be associated with disco, even though they still did like funky stuff. Because um, yeah. there was no distinction between disco and funk and jazz and whatever, right? It had a black <laughs> face on it, so it was already like just you know disco yeah. or whatever. So that's mm-hmm. why when Thriller comes along, the first single they put out is "The Girl Is Mine" with Paul McCartney. And mm-hmm. when you listen to it, it's all nice and mellow, and you know, yeah. right? Um, and then when Thriller, when the album comes out, now you have "Want to Be Starting Something" and "Beat It" and. You know, now we're yeah. picking up steam. When Thriller becomes mm-hmm. Thriller, now it's okay yeah. to be, you know, funky and everything again. But they followed that same strategy when Bad came out because the first single from Bad was I could I just can't stop loving you, which is a nice, yeah. fun, mellow song or whatever. And then Bad, the way you make me feel, Dirty Diana, Smooth Criminal, so on and so forth. <laughs> and then all those songs come out. So yeah. I say all of that to say with Quincy Jones, he's like. In the, in the documentary, he's like, if anybody tells you they know how to sell 50 million records, they're fucking lying. Like, you don't know how to do that. No one knows how to do that. And you can't go into the business thinking that you know how and that you can. Those things are left up to God, universe, magic, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And again, that's if they decide to. <laughs> so <laughs> he was lucky enough that... Um, you know, the powers that be uh, decided to do that for him multiple times. And he's like very grateful and very fortunate yeah. Um, yeah. to have been that lucky. But he he's yeah. he recognizes that. 
And so I, I try yeah. to pattern myself off the uh, kind of after Quincy Jones in that sense, where it's like it, the what I have, I am very grateful for. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of gratitude mm-hmm. for it because I've always yeah. recognized it's like, yeah, uh, you know, the man giveth and he can take it away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, so well, then, yeah, let's let's continue this ne- next week. I, I do want to continue talking because I want to watch that documentary. OK, I only watch. Is this the one that was on Netflix with his daughter with Rashida? No, this one was a little bit. This mm-hmm. one was the BBC one. It's on YouTube. But the okay, one on so Netflix is uh, I think it's still on Netflix. Uh, that one has Rashida in it. They Rashida okay. wasn't in the one on the BBC. Okay. His his other daughter Kadita was, and actually, because we didn't even talk about his his personal life and stuff, but um, we didn't get yeah. to Peggy Lipton. We didn't get to um, his first two marriages. Um, yeah. And all right. And like his his film scoring and stuff. So we'll do that next yeah, time. Yeah, let's talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to do that, and I'll I'll watch some of these documentaries if. If I possibly can, I'll send. I'll send you the link that I. Found. Yeah, send me the links. Yeah, yeah. All right, and we can put the. Yeah. So all and right. We'll put well, them in the yeah, description too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because we, I gotta go. My that poor dog. My poor husband. <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. So tell us where where everything is. Yes. So if you enjoyed part one of Quincy Jones, uh, thank you. Um, you will hear. Uh, actually, you'll hear some Quincy Jones at the beginning and the end of this of this of these episodes because he's Quincy fucking Jones. That's why. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. But if you want to hear some Quincy Jones inspired music, uh, you can check out my album, which will also be in the description. Square one. Um, you can find that mm-hmm. anywhere you stream your music. You can get a physical copy through Amazon or CD Baby. Uh, so check it out. Uh, like I said, Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson have always been my influences. That means vicariously Quincy Jones is also one of my influences. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yep, you can check it out there. You can also check out my music on another podcast. The podcast is called Women Committing Crimes. Uh, the music yep. that you hear there is uh, Forgive Me and Who. Um, yep. You can email us at offkilternofilter at yahoo.com and you can message us mm-hmm. on Facebook at Off Kilter No Filter. We have a Facebook group. Join and join yes. join us and join the conversation. And yes. uh, I think that's it because we're not promoting Twitter anymore. It. Nobody cares about Twitter. Right? No. That's whatever they call that. it. What if, what, I don't even know what that is. I yet, don't know. So. So, nope, yeah. I'm doing that too. And I got nothing else to do. Yeah, I'm looking forward to next week. All right. Quincy Part 2. All right. Yes, exactly. All right. All right, see y'all later. Bye, guys. Bye.